0: Well, that was, you know, probably the most euphoric moment that I've ever experienced as a player. You know, to, to, to snatch a victory last gasp. Now, Algarve's drop goal in, in 2009 was quite similar, but there was still another 90 seconds, two minutes of yeah. play after that. So, you know, that real high at the end of a game, a last winning kick, that was without doubt the most incredible moment that, that I've ever been involved in.
1: This is The Front Row, brought to you by The 42, in partnership with Guinness.
2: Hello and you're very welcome to The Front Row, The 42's brand new rugby podcast made in partnership with Guinness. I'm Sean Burke, the host of the show and bandwagon enthusiast. Later on in the show, we also have Rob Kearney, who will be here with us in the studio for a quick chat. Let's meet our expert panel Responsible for all The legitimacy of this show <laughs> First up we have The 42's Very own Le rugby chef supreme It's Murray Kinsler Merci mon ami Hey uh,
3: Yeah I had a great trip to Paris um, Obviously not the Result Ireland would have wanted But it was brilliant To be over there The atmosphere was amazing There was a lot of tired and emotional people on my flight back let's say that the guy beside me yeah. was a little bit worse for wear but we're back in one piece
2: yeah yeah we're, we're delighted to have here and it's just occurred to me that chef just means chief by the way That's, that. <laughs> it suits me yeah 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 i mean i'm just gonna be calling people chef from now on what's up chef a little bit of french there uh, so uh moving on and beside you is another french pronunciation coming here le grand dame of the irish women's rugby team Emer Considine uh, which to be fair technically means an elderly woman of great prestige but it's not a literal translation in this case Uh, you have much prestige with your 24 caps and 30 points for the women's rugby team and it's a pleasure to have you here
1: Sean, thank you so much for that intro. I'm really, really happy to be called the old person now. I'm actually, yeah, as long as the girls don't hear that, I won't hear too much stick about it. Uh,
2: are you happy that I actually correctly pronounced your second name this time as well?
1: Do you know what? It's actually, you're not the first and you definitely won't be the last person to get my name wrong. It's been Considine, Constantine, um, but Constantine is what it will be. And thank you. Thank you for saying it correctly.
2: That was what I was most nervous about <laughs> for this entire episode. You nailed it. So yeah, we're off to a good start. We're off to a good start. Right. Let's get down to it. There's much to talk about. Um, I mean, obviously not the results we wanted yesterday, but is it fair to say it's the results we deserved?
1: I think look, you have to look at how they started, how the French team mm. started in particular, and if you're going to come out of the blocks like that, the way that they did and play the way that they did from literally the first hit. They had a try got in the first minute and they continued on like they, it wasn't perfect. It wasn't perfect on both sides. France probably will, won't be happy with every element of it. But from start to finish they dominated and the result was probably deserved mm-hmm. by the French yeah
2: yeah mm. you agree yeah. it's
3: that? a weird one it's a weird one when Ireland lose normally it's end of days and we're talking about the demise of Irish rugby but it doesn't feel like that this time and in fact even speaking with the players and, and coaches afterwards there was a bit of positivity there like they mm-hmm. almost felt we played well here particularly because of that poor start after 6 minutes or 10 nil down it got out to 22-7 at one stage and you thought this could be a really ugly scoreline but Ireland They came back into the game and really in the last few minutes it was incredibly tense so i I think they were delighted to grow back into the game and a couple of guys got really good experience Mm -hmm. as well Mm -hmm. if
1: you think about it like if if you had gone into the game thinking ireland are going to outscore a french team with tries like you would never believe that we'd be on the losing team um, it was just like, I suppose, the penalties kept France France in that game. And they'd only scored one try at halftime, but yet led significantly at half time. So it's those little things that Ireland would be disappointed with. Like our discipline against Wales was phenomenal in the first mm-hmm. half. I think they didn't give a penalty away until the 50th minute, but they had 10 penalties in total, which is so uncharacteristic of Ireland. So it's those little things that are easy fix. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's why there's the optimism there. It's not that it was, they weren't blown off the park. There was little things, the little adjustments that are totally easy to do in the next two weeks um, Mm -hmm. heading into that Italian game. Mm
2: -hmm. So there are some silver linings after the for sure
3: yeah and Johnny Sexton was in the stand obviously mm. there was a pantomime moment in the first half where he came up on the big screen and the French crowd realised who it was and there was a, a loud uh, boo from from the, the French support so he's obviously um, still a bit of a villain figure yeah. over there but he, he wasn't on the pitch and normally when he's on the pitch he's such an influential character he's a leader he's the captain he's the best player and so for Ireland to deliver a strong second half performance where they showed some resilience without him I think was a, was a real encouragement mm-hmm
2: yeah are you impressed overall i mean with him with how they did without him and with joey carberry in particular
3: yeah i thought joey carberry went well and that was the big talking point before mm-hmm. like obviously a late injury to johnny section during the week and carberry steps in for his first six Nations start at the age of 26 it was a long time coming we know he's been through real tough travails with his injury record mm-hmm. um and yeah he took his opportunity well he passed well under pressure he'd made 10 tackles and obviously France tried to pick him out in the the defensive line someone was kicking he probably would want to get back a couple of them were maybe too long or too short and Mm. and weren't quite contestable but then there were some lovely touches with the boot in there as well so again that was one of the big signs of development I think for Mm. Ireland from that Mm. game as we'll hear now
4: Andy Farrell was extremely complimentary I thought he was excellent he um obviously um uh, everyone was, was curious to see how Joey would go in, in, in his first start, but it didn't surprise us. He was very um, very confident and very assured in, in, in his performance, uh, and it's only what we've seen over the last couple of weeks in training anyway. Um, he was himself, he obviously kicked, kicked beautifully for, for, for goal, and he, I thought he controlled the game pretty well for us. He sounds pretty pleased with his performance.
3: Yeah, I think he was happy. And just in terms of how he managed the, I suppose mental side of it was the, was the most impressive. There's bits he can improve on. And as I'm sure we'll get around to later on, he just needs more time in, in the saddle. That's mm-hmm. what he needs. Mm-hmm. Like he's had so much time out of the game through his injury. Uh, we can all see the talents there. Even the way he darted at the line a couple of times, used his footwork, it was really positive to see. When he's at his best, he, he takes people on. Mm-hmm. So definitely a good day for Joey Carberry, with loads of his family over as well. So it's a nice moment for him on a personal level, knowing what he's been through as well.
2: Yeah, and you mentioned the kicking there as well. We haven't talked about that infamous 72nd yeah. minute decision.
3: We were, we were go- always gonna get there. Yeah. Uh, this was a big moment in the game. Yeah, 72nd minute, Ireland are trailing 27-21 and they get a penalty uh, on the left-hand side, it's very kickable and, th- and they end up taking the three points there. But it, it, was, it was just a really surprising decision to me. They had a chance to go into the corner there mm-hmm. and go for a, a try to win the game with a conversion, obviously. And they were going to have to score a try to, to win the game. Before we offer maybe more opinion on it, let's hear from the, the men who were involved. James Ryan, the captain, and Andy Farrell, the Ireland coach. I asked them about what the, the decision-making process was like.
4: Just felt like it was the, the right decision at the time. Um, I think we were uh, we were imposing our game on them at, the, at that period. We felt confident in our in our attack and we thought we'd uh, bring the, the game to three points. And I think we backed ourselves to... To go win the game then, uh, off the back of that.
3: And just one for Andy, just on that penalty decision, you're happy for the players to make those decisions when they're, I suppose, in the momentum of the game itself?
4: It's the the right decision, there's no doubt about that. Um, uh, They feel the game, they're in the moment, They, they, they understand what's happening, there was plenty of time left. In fact, didn't we have a line out? Um, after that um, to go on um, when it was a couple of points down because we we got the three points back we had a line out and an opportunity to, to score the try and we didn't and, and, and that's the game so uh, I backed them to make those calls it sounds like he backs them to make those calls uh, <laughs> as
2: yeah. he said but what do you think? Yeah, there was no line-out after. I think he was probably
3: referring to the line-out before, which Mm. Ireland had lost, which maybe was part of Mm -hmm. their decision-making process, thinking, okay, our line-out's been under intense pressure. We didn't turn the last one into a score. Let's get another few points on the board, but they were always gonna to have to go and score a try. Um, mm. And they said they backed themselves to get another chance in attack. Even if you think actually after the last restart, after France have scored a penalty, Ian Henderson makes a strip and they do get another possession, but it's further out the pitch. Mm-hmm. I just really think if they had it over again, they would kick into the the, the five meter line and try and back their maul or an attacking play from from that area. They, they had scored two tries from lineouts in the French 22 in, in that second half. Mm-hmm. And they, they took those chances really clinically and you just would have loved to see them have the confidence to to go after the try in in that instance (laughs) I just don't see the potential upsides of of kicking the points and leaving it Mm -hmm. uncertain like you you know you can get 5 metres like take That shot. And, and I absolutely agree, there's loads of other positives there. It was just a really interesting kind of moment as well. You can hear someone screaming points from the sideline, don't know who it was. <laughs> and then there's a chat. Joey Carby doesn't say anything, nor does Conor Murray, Ian Henderson comes in, and then they have a quick little exchange mm. and that's he what points am the post. That's what
1: I'm saying, is that it's not just the kicker and the liner. Yeah. It, there's there's micro everyone's mic'd up. Your doc is mic'd mm. up, your physio is mic'd up, you're you're hearing so many mixed messages. So it's not just one person's decision. I think that's the main thing that people off the field might not know. is that it's Mm -hmm. it's coming from 10 different places
2: here's one would Johnny Sexton have kicked to the corner
3: I think he would have kicked straight into the corner I really do and in fact I think the identity of that team has been to take those shots into the corner I Mm -hmm. think there's so many examples where in other games you think oh they could have taken the points there but they went into the corner and they backed themselves and like Ireland backed themselves in loads of different other moments in this game but for me and I know it's a collective process of coming to it but they should have
2: gone for the corner and gone for the win (laughs) just can't let it go let's not get too hung up on that there were so many there were positives to be taken from this game especially the really impressive comeback it
3: felt almost they won it the way they spoke about it afterwards we're going to hear from Andy Farrell now about what he was most encouraged by in terms of the the resilience of the team
4: yeah obviously France uh, played a very good game obviously from the start it wasn't obviously a plan of ours to to go 10 points down after after six minutes. And <clears throat> at one stage, we was 22-7 um, down. So all credit to France. Um, but I must say, um, uh, I think it shows the character of and the fitness of the uh, Irish side and, and, and the spirit that we had to um, be in with a chance of, of winning the game there at the end. So he sounds pretty impressed by that. Obviously, he's
2: going to back his team.
3: Yeah, and how they turned it around and, and scored that try through Josh Van der Fleer from a mole after a brilliant breakdown turnover from Andrew Porter who was incredible himself and Tyke Furlong did 72 minutes which is incredible really for, for top level props uh, Jamison Gibson Park's try was a really nice score as well where Dan Sheen, as you mentioned mm-hmm. had a really good carry and then a lovely decision from, from Gibson Park the Hanson try such a class moment of skill from a guy who was making just his mm-hmm. second test start um, and a guy who has an, obviously an amazing backstory. he's settled into the environment really well so yeah France are, are marching on towards the Grand Slam but Ireland will feel if they can keep playing well, they'll stay on the hunt if there's a, a French slip up.
2: Mm-hmm. And if anything, another silver lining. Last week, people were talking about us peaking too soon. <laughs> I feel I haven't heard any of that chat this weekend, funnily enough. I feel like that's reined it in slightly.
1: No, I think that phrase is going to just be kicked <laughs> underneath the curve for, for, for another while. And um, maybe after the Italian game, they might say it
2: again. <laughs> OK, we'll be looking forward to the Italy game later on the show. But next, we're going to be chatting to Rob Kearney about the French game, life and retirement and plenty more besides.
1: This is The Front Row, brought to you by The 42, in partnership with Guinness.
2: Right, it is great to have Irish Rugby Royalty as our first front row guest. This man has scored 82 points for Ireland in 95 games, that's, that's pretty good going Rob. Uh, if you add up all the points that Murray, myself and Emer have scored for Ireland, it would be 24 in 30 games. Uh, so, you know, pretty, pretty impressive from you there That's, that's all and for you And it was
0: so, just on her own
2: I mean, it's not, <laughs> we don't need to go into specifics Well, yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much But uh, thanks for joining us today
0: Not at all, thanks for having me on
2: Now, uh, we'll, we'll get straight into it I mean, you, you've slept on the Ireland game now in, in the cold light of day What are the positives after that match?
0: I think the positives are that they performed pretty well mm-hmm. On the day, they were very close You know, it was a game they could have snatched. It was a game that I thought they were the better team for large parts of the second half. I think we've found an alternative to Johnny now, which is important. Mm -hmm. And it's a question that we've all had for the last number of years is, can we play the big teams away from home without Johnny? And I think Joey proved that we definitely can do that. Mm -hmm. And we've planted a seed in French's mind as well, that if we go back there in a World Cup quarterfinal, that mm-hmm. you know they they won't want to play the Irish over there and and we can prove that you know we're we're very well able to match the very best in the world away from home.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll give them hell. Uh, how are you finding it on the the punditry side of the
0: equation? Yeah, I'm on Virgin at the moment. It's it's definitely different. Yeah. You know, of course, you you prefer to be out on the field. Sure but you know it, it's nice to still stay involved in the game mm-hmm. and be in a position to give an opinion mm-hmm. I don't know whether people want to listen to it or not, <laughs> I'm not so sure um, but you know I, i'm definitely enjoying it yeah. and like i say it's nice to have some sort of impact on, and still be involved in the game sure you're
3: you still uh, yeah. you still mates with obviously some of the guys who are playing any feedback coming from the change room for you.
0: No, there, there won't be any <laughs> feedback. It'll be a blank <laughs> silence <laughs> if it's anything. Uh, you know, that, that's that's obviously something that, that you have to be really conscious of, um, you know, because I'm only out a couple of years and still have some really good friendships in there. So y- you do have to be mindful of that. But at the same time, you, you have to, you know, give your opinion, you're getting paid to do a job. So you have to do that too. But I, I think if you can do it in a fair way, that is not malicious or character assassinating, like some pundits do, you know, I I think you can protect some of those relationships pretty well.
3: Yeah, there's a balance there, because you've been annoyed probably on the other side of what people are saying or aware of it anyway.
0: Yeah, big time aware of it. And, you know, when when you're in the team and you're so enclosed and your whole life is just rugby, you know, it's only when you get outside and you can see the bigger picture a little bit and when you're so far removed from the team. But when, when you're in it, that is the be all and end all. And if anyone says one thing slightly hurtful. Like Murray in the past. I was going to say, <laughs> I hope I didn't. I hope I didn't. I don't think, I'm sure you probably did. Everyone said something to say at some stage, but you know, that, that's why it comes, if if it's fair, and you know, if if it's the truth as well, you know, it's, it's sometimes pretty hard to argue with. It.
1: I also think though, as a player, like you've got a system involved, you know what's going on, you've got a game plan and you don't really, to be honest, Murray, care about what everyone else mm. says outside of the main bubble that you're in.
0: You don't care, but- You do care, does. but
1: it's not the opinions mm. that matter.
0: No, it's not the opinions that matter, but at the same time, I, I think you still want people to to mm. like you and to, to, to like what you do, you know, and you're, you're representing your country and, you know it's, it's a very proud thing to do you know y- you still want that affirmation from the people that you're representing and it's much nicer to get it than it's not yeah. now y- you are right it doesn't really matter at the end of the day it's just the coaches your family friends your teammates but it's still nice to get it from the wider community yeah
3: yeah i'm glad nothing immediately came to mind there but <laughs> <as you laughs> said. what about it like a, a, as you say you're out of the game now but you had a class experience in australia before you finish up which is unique for for Irish people, how was
0: it? Yeah, it was awesome. I loved it. It it came around quite late in the day. I was probably resigned to the fact w- finishing up with Leinster in God was twenty twenty August of that, and it was an empty stadium. It was just really unfulfilling. It's mm-hmm. not in any sort of way that I'd planned to go out and. You know, to get the opportunity to go down, I never thought I'd play super rugby. Mm. And growing up, that was the thing that was awesome. You get up on a Saturday morning to watch it, and it was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. The The quality of the competition was very good. And, you know, it was nice to do six more months of rugby at the end of that, then be able to say, you know what, I've definitely had enough now. I don't feel the urge to do any more.
1: My sister's overplaying in the AFL, and it's just her life in the way of living it's completely different it's just a different world over there is you not know
0: like i love ireland and ultimately we all come home to be with family and friends but you know we're just existing in this country i find mm. sometimes and mm. down there in australia they're properly living yeah, yeah.
1: they really are it's it's, a, it's phenomenal um and what made you come back
0: family and friends probably You know, my wife's very close with her mom and her sister, and you always have that that pull. You know, if you go over there, you you make a decision, you know, between family, friends, or lifestyle. Now, there was the opportunity to maybe play on for another season or do a little bit of coaching out there, but I knew ultimately that's that's not what I wanted to do long-term. So that was a difficult decision to make because, you know, it was a very clear, short-term option for me, but, you know, I think ultimately, like I say, it's, it's not something that I want to do long term.
1: Yeah, was it disappointing not to get the final? You, you spoke about the Leinster game and the Pro 14 final not getting to play and then obviously being an empty stadium. But then you thought you had your chance at the Barbarians.
0: Yeah, um, listen, it, it was disappointing not to get, you know, a proper send off like, like some people would do. But, you know, you, you have to remember the time that we were, we were living in and so many people were so far worse off than, you know, few lads finishing up their career, not getting a send off. So you have to take the bigger picture into things. And, you know, instead of being too concerned about the last year and the last few moments, you know, you try and alter your mindset and just be really appreciative of all the amazing days you did have down through the years instead. So the Barbarians was was disappointing too. That would have been really nice to get a proper send off there. But, you know, in, in hindsight, it wasn't the worst thing for me too. I'd lost about five or six kilos (laughs) of muscle mass. I hadn't touched a rugby ball in six months. Mm. Um, Maybe it saved you. That could have ended very badly for me. I was going
3: to ask, what's it like not having to get up and go to the gym and stuff yourself full of food all day?
0: (laughs) The food part, I do not miss. I never had a big appetite anyway, so it was always a, a real effort trying to keep some weight on. The gym you know, it's nice to wake up some mornings and say, you know what, I just couldn't be arsed <laughs> going to the gym today and no one's going to tell me that I have to. So, you know, there is some days you're like, right, I want to get up and, and get moving and do a bit now, but it's it, it takes a bit of time as well to, to find your schedule and find the things that you like to do and you want to do and then find the things that you need to do. So, you know, it's it's, it's all very much a learning curve. Yeah.
1: How have you been filling your time? Obviously, you're working on Virgin. You obviously, you're picking and choosing when you want to go to the gym so like how are you actually filling that
0: time yeah there's a there's a a fair bit of dead time in there too you know Mm -hmm. where where not a lot is happening um
2: enjoying the free time exactly and
0: then there's other days when i'm really busy with with different bits and pieces like i was quite lucky to to get involved in, in loads of different businesses when i was you know still in my playing career and you know that that's definitely helped the transition means i have an interest in more things and and Operationally, I can get my hands involved day-to-day in, in running some of those things. So, you know, that that has definitely made things easier. There, there wasn't a, a specific stop. Rugby's finished now. You know, you have to find something else to do. Uh, I still had, you know, an element of lots of things that I was involved in and, and enjoyed doing, which has made it easier.
3: How was it getting back to, to GA? A different challenge physically, I'd say.
0: Oh, physically, it was on a different level altogether I was blown away by their level of conditioning I really was and you know I was always pretty fit as a fullback it was one thing that you needed to be you know you cover so much space in the backfield and you're you're never standing still so I thought I'll be grand for it and listen I was a good Gaelic player growing up Mm. you know I played minors when I was 16 17 and 18 so I thought yeah I'll be grand like take me a while (laughs) to get back into it I was brutal I was so bad, and it was so weird those times in the game when the ball is going. So I'm used to having the ball coming to me the whole my whole life. And then when you're playing a game and the ball's going the other way, it was just so alien to me, but I enjoyed it. It was nice to go back home, and it, it was something th- that I always wanted to do, but I won't be doing any more of it. There was surely a few lads trying to leave a mark on you. Yeah, there, there was a few, but I kind of got a bit of a kick out of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know you, you do miss the the physical rough and tumble sometimes we can just mm. have a few pops yeah. off each other yeah it's um, but i didn't get badly hurt or injured. If if we
1: can go back a bit to the, the last time you would have played France in France or the last time that they won, like it was a phenomenal moment with the drop goal with Johnny getting that, like what as a player was it like, like reflecting back on that now, you know, it's not easy to get a win over there, how, like looking back on it, how was it?
0: Yeah, that was incredible. That was, you know, probably the most euphoric moment that I've ever experienced as a player you know, to, to to snatch a victory last gasp. Now, Algarra's drop goal in, in 2009 was quite similar, but there was still another 90 seconds, two minutes of yeah. play after that. So, you know, that real high at the end of a game, a last winning kick, that was, without doubt, the most incredible moment that, that I've ever been mm. involved in. Were you at the bottom of that pylon? Um, I was third on, I think Johnny was, at the bottom obviously and then Ferg jumped in and then maybe Murray and and me but I always look back on that on the pylon and Keith Earls was chasing the drop kick yeah so when Johnny kicked we all stopped to look up at it and Keith Earls chased in case it came off the upright which was unbelievably smart smart thing to do so every time I look at the top of that pylon I'm like I should have been chasing that in case it came off the upright. Because mm. if it did come off the upright yeah. and we're all standing still, mm. you know we've not done our job. Yeah, that's it's good. such
1: a good it's such a good thing for like to point that out as a rugby player, or any aspiring winger, fullback, going forward. You're like, even though that was a great moment, you probably didn't do your job to the full potential. No, at that definitely time.
0: not. I switched <laughs> off for maybe two or three seconds, just watching it in the air, and I always think how it came off the upright and he was the only man there in yeah. his own. What, That's the what optimist in you
1: and the pessimist in Keith. Yeah. That it's going
0: to drop off the public. Yeah, exactly.
3: It's funny, I heard Johnny say recently that he cringes when he sees it because his celebration wasn't kind of to his liking when he
0: looks back. <laughs> no, like he probably was in such shock himself. Yeah. He celebrated a little bit first and then he was like, oh, maybe it's not going yeah. over. And then he went again. Um, but, you know, it's, it's a tough place to win over there. It is a really difficult place and it's become more and more difficult now in the last couple of years yeah um but there's huge positives in how, how close we ran them yesterday mm. it really is and they're
3: moving in the right direction i was going to ask you about one guy in particular is, is hugo keenan because when you were coming to the end of your career i think everyone was worried about what happens next with the 15 jersey but he's kind of stepped in there seamlessly
0: oh he has and you know when, when i was coming to the end of, of my career and you know you're getting a bit older, and people want rid of you. They've seen enough of you. And it was, it's Jordan Jacob. We need to get one of these boys in here, and then the two of them had their opportunities. And you know neither of them really nailed it down. There was a couple of injuries in there, and then Hugo sort of, you know, just came in the back door a little bit under the radar, and you know he's he's been immense. He really has. I've been highly impressed at how quickly he's gotten to speed. Uh, been an international fullback because it's a tough position it really is and you can get exposed very easily particularly on a day like yesterday mm. and you know he's he's been really super
1: he's only got something like 18 19 caps and probably his first true season of playing with the crowd behind him like he's someone who's played most of his when he came out of the sevens most of his 15s rugby be it with leinster be it with ireland without crowds or half stadiums or like it must have been some something so different. Like you think now at this stage, he's so you know comfortable in that fifteen jersey, but it, the crowd in Stade de France throws a different element in it for a fullback. Communication-wise, even you're, you're trying to communicate things, and it's just impossible. It must it be It is, and,
0: and and that was a not just for him, but for loads of those lads yesterday. You know, their first time in a big, loud, noisy stadium. I remember looking at at the uh, anthems yesterday, and you could hear the the Paris crowd go mental. And i was thinking there's a lot of boys in that lineup now going what the hell is happening right now because it'll be something that they'll never experience before and that takes on its own pressures with it and you know that that's a real learning curve as well how you deal with a big noisy crowd away from home like simple things like communication because you can't you can't talk to your wingers like you normally Mm. would Mm. on on a quiet or a viva day or in an rds or to some of the matches and occasions that these lads have been used to it, so you have to, you know, get better at reading body language and hand signals and all these little intricacies that, that we would never think of.
3: Yeah, that, that's fascinating because Hugo Keenan did actually mention that he he said he was looking forward to it. He doesn't ever seem to get flustered, a little like your, yourself, Rob. And it was interesting that Andy Farrell spoke about the mental side of the game afterwards as his kind of key positives. Would that encourage you? As we said, they started so badly, but they came back into the game.
0: Yeah, twice. You know. Mm. The, the, did they go 10 nil down? Yeah. Yeah, 10 down, and then there was a 15-point margin yeah. in the second half. So that takes real guts and courage to come back from that. And I think that they're lucky that they're playing a game plan now that they can score tries pretty quickly. You know, you look at Jemison's one yesterday. That came off the back of just a few really quick rocks. He sniped the uh, French front five, getting a little bit lazy around the rock. And they can turn it around really quickly. And, and that's that's great when you're playing in a team where you know you can score tries quickly. And that's why I thought towards the end of the game, France were getting tired. Their big boys weren't moving as freely. And I, I thought that, that they were gonna pull away then. And that's why I, I agree with, with the decision to go for the three points.
3: Okay.
1: Controversial yeah.
0: I, yeah, <laughs> Are you all for the corner? <laughs> well, I he was, was
1: definitely for the corner.
3: <laughs> I was vehemently, probably overly so, but I yeah I, I couldn't understand it. What were you, what were you thinking? What, why I was the right call?
0: I uh, well, it, it's it's hard to say it was the right call, but I, I'm just saying it wasn't the wrong call. <laughs> okay, if that makes <laughs> any, any sense. Very political answer. Though. So <laughs> on on nine minutes, uh, Ireland Ty furlong played that ball at the back. Hugo made the break up the field. French looked tired and that was the the, not the first time in the game but Ireland were starting to look on top in those last 15 minutes that if they kept attacking them and because they they clearly were a much fitter side Mm. and the French were waning a little bit with that 10 minutes to go I just thought if we get three points now we're definitely get another opportunity to go back down there and you know, historically, the French become really ill-disciplined in the last 10, 15 minutes. I just thought that it was, a, you know, if it's four minutes to go, well, then you're going to have to go for the corner because it's unlikely you're going to get another opportunity. But I think with with eight or nine, you know, you back yourself to get back up there again.
3: That's the player's mindset you were talking about.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's so difficult on the field. Like I was saying that you're, in, in part one, we were saying about how there's so many different opinions coming in and you have to just take them all in and make that decision and just go for it and obviously have the optimism there that you're going to score and there's no point in playing for Ireland if you don't think you're going to win so that is the player mindset that you have and that the players clearly had yesterday just didn't capitalize
2: mm-hmm. I've just become a listener for the past 15 minutes <laughs> I've been listening and learning and enjoying myself but no it's all excellent stuff uh, what are the players in particular which Irish players in particular right now would you be most excited about Rob?
0: Front row obviously mm-hmm. are exceptional at the moment. I thought Dan Sheehan did really well when he came on, which, you know, you've got front six there who are as good as any, anyone else in the world. Tyke Furlong is mm-hmm. playing incredible rugby at the moment. His ability to distribute has helped this team enormously. You know, the, the back row, Conan, Van Fleer and Caelan Doris are playing awesome rugby this season. Um, you know, it was unusual to see them yesterday not be manhandled, but not have their stamp put on the game as easy as easily as we would normally see them do. Um, you know, I thought the locks got through a huge amount of work. Um, I think the backs for, for both sides were a little bit quieter. We didn't get to see a huge amount of, of the French. I thought Entomac was okay, he wasn't as good as he normally is, and, and Dupont was good without have been exceptional. I think yesterday was very much dominated by the forwards and the power and physicality game. Mm, definitely.
3: What about Andy Farrell? He took some criticism last year. Things have obviously turned around a bit. You wrote about him in, in your book a bit and, and he offers something probably different to what was there before. What have you made of his overall kind of guidance of it?
0: Yeah, he's done really well to, to put his stamp on it. You know, I think because Joe was there for so long and he was such a big authoritative figure when he had everything quite meticulously planned and this is exactly how i want you to play you know as players you you become quite programmed to that and it does take time to deprogram a player and then to say right now this is how i want you to play so i think he's, he's done that quite well in a relatively short space of time And, you know, of course, the the attacking side of the game has just improved enormously now. And Ireland are so much more comfortable with the ball in hand. And, you know, I think in in times gone by, you're building six, seven phases. You'd be like, right, we need to start getting rid of it now. (laughs) Go to the air and see if we can win it back. This team are thriving the more phases that they go through. And they know they're going to break down the opposition because they have such variety in, in, in their phase play.
3: Yeah, you wouldn't mind playing in that team.
0: Oh, I'll be a joy to be out in on the wings and at fullback there. You know, you, you just get put into so much space at times. Um, but it, it, it's 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 great for the wingers out there, you know, outside centers. I thought Gary had another good game. He showed up a lot more in the last 20 minutes, as did Joey and some of these other guys, like I say, as the French started to tire a little bit more. Um, you know it's it's good they're in a really healthy place at the moment i think mm-hmm. and
1: it's only just the start of it like even though andy was there under when you played under joe smith he's just starting we're just starting to see the fruits of that work been put so it's it has to bode well going forward heading into that world cup like the positivity they're going to go a next level the next four games the summer tour the november like there's so much more options and mm-hmm. possibilities
0: with this team yeah definitely you know it, In this period now, over the last two World Cup cycles, you would have said Ireland have peaked now. There's no way this team has peaked. They're playing very well, but they've not peaked to what they're capable of. And I think that's the really encouraging thing as an Irish supporter. Yeah, that's what we want to hear.
2: Uh, moving away from rugby uh, before we finish this segment, uh, you got married recently, Rob. Congratulations. Thank how you. Was, how was married life treating you?
0: Married life is, is great. Yeah. Much better than I expected. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the same as before. It's nothing too <laughs> different. I have to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Have you gone into business together? Uh, uh, sort of. Yeah. We're in a, a skincare range. I'm more just jumping on, on her coattails now. Uh, yeah can you not see (laughs) yeah I was
2: just that was my next question what is your skincare routine
0: (laughs) how long do you have
2: (laughs) Uh, okay grand right I think that just about wraps up uh, this section thanks to Rob we'll be back after this we'll be looking forward to the rest of the Guinness Six Nations with one eye on the Italy game
1: The Front Row brought to you by The 42 in partnership with Guinness
2: all right we're going to look ahead now to the next round of the championship uh, rob is staying with us uh, very kindly it's italy coming to dublin in two weeks time but before we do that let's take a quick review of where everyone is coming into this weekend there was plenty of chat about ireland and scotland and how if they won their games this weekend they were teeing themselves up for a final weekend showdown in dublin and uh, now the thing is scotland lost and ireland also Lost, Uh, So that big showdown still could be a showdown, just not quite as big anymore. Uh, Murray, give us the global view of the championship after two rounds, if you wouldn't. Yeah, so
3: France march on looking for their Grand Slam and and you have to say they they look good for it at the moment they go away to Wales and Scotland so Ireland will be absolutely hoping that someone there can do a favour and they have England on the last day of the Championship you imagine if they're going for a grand slam against England at home there's Mm. no bigger motivation for a French (laughs) team so we're hoping for a slip up before that Um, and Ireland stay in the hunt they absolutely have to obviously they've had this setback but they've got to play as if they're still going for the championship as if France are going to have that slip up so there's a huge amount still to play for after the break weekend in that Italy fixture Um, and maybe even Scotland can come back in the mix as well themselves kind of typical of them really to miss their opportunity against Wales after a really good start but how magic would it be to have that final weekend in Dublin Scots coming over with something genuinely on the line yeah, it's fascinating as well, and we're going to hear from Andy Farrell on this just how I suppose you mentioned as well, Rob, how the team did without Johnny Sexton on the pitch, the the key influence, and that was one of the things that, that encouraged Andy, as we're going to hear here. Yeah, I was going to ask you ask you about Joe. How did you feel about the development of the squad without without Johnny? Obviously, he's a, the captain and leader, Andy. But you price all the guys um, taking on more responsibility this week.
4: Yeah, no, it's it's, um, it's it's a great opportunity for us to grow. It's a great opportunity for for, for James to grow as captain and. And uh, we put in the heat of the battle. I mean, you don't get um, you don't get better test matches than those. Um, so we're only going to um, learn and get better from that. Um, uh, yeah, I thought I, th- I thought Joey was, was was excellent, and he was excellent because the, all the guys around around him were pretty re- reassured as well.
2: Hearing that, then Marie, who do you think plays against Italy? Then uh, Sexton or Carberry? What do you think?
3: If Johnny's fit, I would imagine he'll play to get yeah. him back up and running but I would love to see Joey Carby get another start mm-hmm. it was his first six nation start did really well and like time in the saddle is a key thing really isn't it that's mm. the
0: that's the only thing for, for me I think Joey has to start again you know the, there is there's a gap between number one and two there at mm-hmm. number 10 and and that doesn't take away anything from Joey or what he did yesterday he was good yesterday mm-hmm. but there is a gap there and all of that is because of Johnny's time that he's had playing in big games and you can't train for that on a training field you only learn those moments when you're out there in the cauldron away from home in front of 81,000 people so you know Joey just needs to play more and to it's it's a tough position to end to play because you're takes a long long time to get good at it Mm-hmm. I think
1: he'll come out of there with a lot of confidence like he it, like he was being judged every single thing he did yesterday was going to be judged his passing, bringing the ball to the line his tackling ability, his kicking and he'll have to come out obviously they they lost and the result wasn't the right way but Joey has to be proud of that performance that he did yesterday and he needs to build on that and bring confidence into the next game in his performance and that will only make him better and make Ireland better
0: absolutely and we have to remember too he's, he's not played in four months which mm. is a long time especially at number 10 He wasn't running the team around on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of that week because Johnny was in and starting and only pulled up later on in the week. So there are three key days at the start of the week to put your own stamp on the team and to lead them every day and say, right, I'm the number 10. I'm leading us around this week. This is what we're going to do. Bang, bang, bang. So he only got in there on on the Thursday, mm. maybe, and then not you know much captain's run on that's a Friday. It.
1: Travel day, captain's run, there's not many decisions made, exactly. it's all done.
0: So that's that's a big component of how that week panned out last week as well, and and how well he did to, to come in and, and have the performance he did.
3: Yeah. yeah, be hugely positive to see him get a start. What's he like as a fella? Because we know all about Johnny Sexton and his power of personality. What's Joey like?
0: Yeah, Joey's a really nice guy. He's, he's probably quieter than Johnny. Um, you know, because Johnny's been around for so long, he's he's vocal, he's commanding, he sets the highest of standards to, to people to live to. And, and if you don't reach those standards, he'll let you know about it. And I think Joey, and probably rightfully so, is still in the phase of just looking after himself mm-hmm. and just thinking, right, I got to get my game to the very best level it can be but before I start worrying about other people. and. And you have to be selfish sometimes, and and like I say, that's just the, fi- the the stage of of his career that he's at.
1: You have to look at Joey as well and the the continuity of his playing. Like he's had injury after injury after injury. I think we were all surprised even when we saw him named on the Six Nations squad, given that he hadn't played a game with Munster. So like like you said, he has to be the first focus. is getting himself injury free, fit to play. And it's very difficult to manage people when you can't when you have to get yourself right first. And I think. Johnny has years of experience of doing that. And that's why he works so well. He manages everyone around him. And that's the stuff that you only learn by doing. the stuff that you only learn by playing in a packed stadium when it's loud and reading people's body language, like you said. And Joey, will it, it will eventually come, but he has to be given those opportunities against Italy and the Six Nations to give him that stuff. Johnny is well able, he's more than capable. We all know that. Right given Joey that opportunity to do that
3: mm. and James Ryan had a chance to, to captain the team again and as Andy Farrell said it's a, an exposure for him how do you think that side of things is going now in terms of the leadership and developing that away from just Johnny
0: yeah I, th- I think really good I thought James was was very good yesterday He leaded the team really well okay there'll be a bit of conversation ar- around that decision at the end but there's always gonna be conversations around those decisions in the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, but I, I thought he put himself around really well. He's up against bigger men, which is always gonna be a challenge for this Irish pack when they when they come to, you know, the real top, top level of international rugby. And, you know, I, I thought he performed really well and led well yesterday too.
2: Mm-hmm. Looking ahead to the Italy game, everybody says it's a gimme. So what are the benefits of Ireland to be wrought from this? Yeah, well, Italy, I
3: I hope they're improving. And I Mm. thought they were good against France defensively. They had to improve that side of their game. And we on the outside probably do take it for granted more than people who are actually playing out on the Mm. pitch. um, And I constantly remind us of that. It does feel like a bit of an opportunity, though, with Joey, with someone like, I don't know, Gavin Coombs, maybe a James Hume. People who've been playing well for their provinces who've got that kind of top level potential And you don't obviously make complete wholesale changes Mm -hmm. here. You've got to respect the opposition. You've got to keep your own momentum going as well. And and you're playing England next after that. Mm -hmm. So you want to build the the confidence through the game. But if you can sprinkle in a bit of that talent and potential and developing your squad well then that's a win-win situation yeah
1: i think it'll be all down to injuries as well there'll be a lot of sore bodies waking up today after that game and how they get through this week and the weekend off and it'll be a good opportunity to change it up but like you said you have to get con- some continuity in players like you're not going to make drastic changes to to the pack or to the backline you know you're going to have to respect the opposition in italy as well i know we all as players as, as a country look at italy as a weaker opposition but the end of the day, you know, they're they're looking at us thinking they can beat Ireland as well. So, um, it'll be I suppose based down to injuries and based down to how much we want to change without changing too much.
0: I think they'll they'll learn a lot from today's game, Italy against England too. It'll mm-hmm. give them a real clear pr- picture of where the Italians are at. Personally, I think they've improved significantly. Um, they've got a really good coach in there now, who seems to have put his own stamp on it. You know their defense is a lot more organized they can actually start putting a few attacking phases together and their kicking game is improved so with those three things you know i'm looking forward to this english game today i don't think it's going to be a, a walk over by any any stretch of the imagination
2: mm-hmm. ireland could still win the six nations but is it more useful to us to look at this as a way of blooding new talent and and you know uh, giving players experience like the likes of carberry ahead of the world cup next year
1: no you don't you, mm. you can't look that far ahead as as players as management yes on the outside as pundits and media and us talking here yeah like eyes are set on the world cup it isn't like that it's literally the next step it's mm. winning the next game it's getting through it's improving on the stuff that you didn't get right yesterday it's the working on the breakdown it's working on you know dominant tackles getting them behind the game line, like france did to us it's day by day week by week i don't think anyone in the Irish squad is looking towards that World Cup or bloody new players. That's not what it's about. It's the immediate thing in front of you. Mm. I think that's just the player mindset that we have. I'm not sure if you'd be in agreement with that.
0: Yeah, 100%. And, you know, the, the other thing is, and, and the Irish would have spoke about this in the changing room yesterday, France have to go away from home now for mm-hmm. a couple of big games. The French historically always have a slip-up of some sort somewhere along the way. You know, Scotland turned them over last year in in... Murrayfield over there, sorry over there. It was it was empty
1: stadiums though.
0: Yeah, but but still, you know I think, you know Ireland will be going after bonus points now, mm-hmm. racking up as many tries and points difference as they can because yeah. they'll really feel that they're right in the hunt and and they are.
3: Yeah, the workup stuff kind of goes on in the background, and in fairness, to Andy Farrell and Ireland they've spoken about it more and certainly earlier at this stage um, and this next World Cup. Um, and, and it's absolutely a goal of the group. There's development towards that happening all the time. You mentioned the the profile of the pack now, which has completely changed almost and how they're being used and how they're ball players. There's young players who've come into the team like Caelan Darris, Keller, um, younger guys who've had a big influence, Hugo Keenan, who we mentioned as well. And, and that's an ongoing process as well. So absolutely, they're going to stay focused on trying to win this championship. But all the good stuff we've mentioned today is helping them towards that World Cup as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: And I think what's important to note is that it's not just the 23 that was named yesterday. Like there's so many quality players from each of the provinces coming through that would have got capped in November or in the summer tour. You know, they're really just building. It's it's not just the 23. There's so much depth at the moment in Irish rugby. It, it's phenomenal. I think that's really positive. And that is looking towards the World Cup next year that, you know, yes, that's the positivity. But without making too many changes mm-hmm. either, because you want to focus your eye on what's happening right in front of you at the moment. Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. My girlfriend is French, uh, so this has been a difficult weekend for me. <laughs> I, uh, I su- yeah, exactly. I, I regret this decision. I encourage her to get. You in- regret the decision in- of going out, or no? <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm very happy with that decision. Uh, but get, I said you should watch. We should watch the Six Nations together this year, and uh, within a couple of weeks, that's backfired for me. So if we could, you know, at least do better in the course of the Six Nations over France, I'd be happy with that. You know. We're waiting for a slip-up. It'll yeah, come. It'll it, come. Exactly, yeah. I'm just waiting on that. Well, that about wraps things up here uh, in the first episode of The Front Row for this series. Thanks again to our special guest, Rob Carney, and our esteemed panel, Emer Considine and Murray Kinsella. I was also here, though I was very quiet for large sections when I was just learning, you know, just enjoying it. Uh, Thanks very much to our sponsor, Guinness, for sponsoring the show and everyone at The 42. And join us again in two weeks' time where we will be looking back at the Italy game. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and download it and just enjoy it. Just keep listening to it. Thanks very much.